Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining Michigan Minds today. I'm really excited to talk with you and learn from you. So I want to jump right in. Can you please introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan? Sure, my name is Joe Himley. I'm a professor at the School of Social Work and the Department of Psychiatry here at the University of Michigan. I am the Associate Dean for Faculty Affairs at the School of Social Work. And uh, primarily I'm a mental health intervention researcher. And I uh, work with a really excellent team trying to design, develop, and test mental health interventions with a target on those who have limited access to these interventions, uh, underserved groups, both regionally, racially, and uh, economically. Fantastic. Thank you. Can you talk a little bit about your research on anxiety and share some information about treatments that are available? Sure. Most of my research on anxiety is focused on trying to design and develop low-cost, accessible anxiety interventions. Many people struggle with anxiety and from a range of different troubles, from social anxiety and avoidances to panic attacks that people, where people become afraid of what's happening in their body, uh, to people who have trouble responding or have uh, hardships after experiencing trauma, as in post-traumatic stress disorder, we have some people who also have generalized anxiety where they feel anxious and worried most of the time. And uh, so anxiety disorders come in a range of different types, but they have certain characteristics at their core. One of them is it feels uncomfortable to be anxious and uh, people would rather not feel so anxious day in and day out. Anxiety is part of our life. It's a great tool for us in many ways. It makes us alert when danger might be there or it might uh, also help us to pay attention to something we need to attend to. So anxiety definitely does have some, some positives. That's why we still have it, even though it feels uncomfortable. But for some people, anxiety disorders uh, really do affect their day-to-day -day life. So it's sort of the difference between everyday anxiety and something we might consider as a anxiety problem or an anxiety disorder is how much it affects your life. So if it causes you significant distress to feel this way, and it interferes with your functioning, well, then we think about it as, an, as a mental health problem that needs attention. Much of my current research focuses on uh, social anxiety and unemployment. Many times people with social anxiety or other anxiety disorders have trouble in their areas of functioning, whether it's serving as a parent or as a partner or as a friend, but in a very significant way, People with anxiety problems, particularly social anxiety, have struggles with employment. So the main project I'm working on now is an NIH-funded project that involves two centers here in uh, the Detroit area and uh, also one in Los Angeles. Uh, this multi-site trial really tests an intervention that we developed to help people who have shyness-related problems in the workplace. You might not think that social anxiety plays a huge role in success in work and school, but actually many of the jobs that we have available in our country today are in the service industry. And for people with social anxiety, they often avoid job interviews, have trouble performing in job interviews, have limited social networks to put in a word for them, which is a very important way to find work. 
So our intervention, the research that I'm doing now, the probably the main project involves the testing of an intervention that's delivered at a vocational service center where we catch people who are struggling to find work. We screen them for social anxiety and then we treat their social anxiety with the hopes of getting people back to work. So this is um, uh, an example of a project that really fits the research group that I've been working with for many years called the Treatment Innovation and Dissemination Research Group or TITER. And the projects that we have in this multidisciplinary group that involves different schools here at the, at the University of Michigan and folks who are working in this area and other uh, universities around the country. There is this central target in TITER, we call it TITER, uh, the Treatment Innovation and Dissemination Research Group. There, there's a central focus is on designing interventions that can be easily distributed, that are low cost and are targeting the underserved. Now, some of the projects in TITER, which are led by a range of investigators, which I won't name because I'm sure I'll miss some, but uh, we have projects that range from an entertaining form of cognitive behavioral therapy delivered over a uh, computer network, sort of like a Zoom uh, call that's focusing on trying to improve uh, depression uh, using a uh, character-driven storyline and uh, a cliffhanger at the end of every session. And the idea is a kind of a melding between a serial television and cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a tested effective treatment for depression. And we're doing that treatment in several different places, including we're testing it in the rural church, in a dialysis center, at a WIC clinic, and we're having a new project in a Head Start program. So the idea is to try to bring entertaining cognitive behavioral therapy, evidence-supported treatment for depression into settings where uh, you wouldn't typically find mental health treatment, and also to deliver this mental health treatment in places where folks uh, typically wouldn't have access to treatment, whether that's in a rural area, an underserved urban area, or perhaps uh, in, in a place where, like the dialysis center, where folks are coming for, med for medical problems. So we have this entertaining form of, of cognitive behavioral therapy for depression that we're testing called Entertain Me Well. We have several other projects, some that focus on diabetes self-management in the African-American population. Researchers in our team are also investigating simulation and virtual reality approaches to learning job interview skills for people with serious mental illness. We have several projects where people are focusing on suicide prevention, designing and developing particular mental health treatments that are accessible and low cost to help people with suicidality. So in sum, the Treatment Intervention, uh, Innovation and Dissemination Research Group is on the hunt for closing this gap between people with mental health trouble or mental health and combined medical problems and the treatment that they need. The vast majority of people in the United States and really internationally who have mental health problems will never receive treatment of any sort, let alone an evidence-supported treatment. So our goal in TITER is to try to do our part to close that gap. So we use a lot of technology and other approaches to make it easier to spread treatment. And uh, a combination of technology and person-to-person -person contact is a nice way to scale up interventions and try to close this gap between all the people who have anxiety and depression, mostly those are the problems we're working on, and the treatment that they need. 
So we're in a, in a nutshell, it's a group of intervention designers. And we've been fortunate enough to have substantial funding from the National Institutes of Health and other foundations uh, to try to support this research where there's typically, you're designing the treatment, you're testing it out for a little bit and doing a large trial. And the uh, social anxiety intervention that I was speaking about before is an example of the large trial. Whereas some of our other projects like bringing uh, entertaining cognitive behavior therapy for depression to a dialysis center is an example of a project and it's very stark. So this team, we work together, we collaborate together, both within our, our unit and across units to try to design innovative treatments that people will like to do and are easy to access. That's remarkable. Thank you so much for sharing that. And in that research and your expertise, can you describe the current mental health challenges or any particular issues that emerging adults are facing right now? You know, at the core of it, human beings are social creatures, right? I mean, we, our success has involved clustering together, making friends, being with family, connecting regularly with neighbors, schoolmates, and the pandemic has, well, it's stepped in the middle of that, hasn't it? Now we're lucky uh, that we're getting back together again in lots of different settings, but there's no question that, this, uh, that the global pandemic has interfered with one of the key ways we keep ourselves psychologically well, and that is to connect with others. So clearly one of the challenges that many people have is they're a little rusty in interacting with others. So connecting again, uh, meeting someone new, building a friendship, doing activities together. I think folks are a little rusty. So it is really important to remember that human beings have survived and thrived based on our relationships, at least in part, based on building relationships with others and spending time with each other. So spending time together, a very important element that's, uh, I think, facing many young people as they're transitioning from their, maybe their home life back to school this fall. I think another thing that's happened is, is that uh, because we've been spending so much time on our own and uh, we've had a lot of restrictions in our travel and things that we can do, we've stepped away from a lot of the important activities that also help to keep us psychologically well. Things like exercise, playing on a sport, or going to the movies or going to a concert and, and all of those activities, you know, every civilization they've ever unearthed in the history of man, there's something there for recreation. And why would that be the case? Because recreation is something very important uh, in maintaining well-being. You know, having a, most people have to have some kind of purpose and work, a bit of fun and some social connection to keep things in balance. And uh, so it's you know, really critical to not only get engaged with others, but get engaged back with some of the activities that brought you satisfaction and enjoyment, particularly in the area of anxiety and depression. Physical activity seems to be a powerful way to keep things moving and to feel better and to maybe keep away that sort of functionally impairing anxiety and depression that comes up in, well, many people's lives. And for students in particular, those maybe coming to the campus for the first time this fall, you know, it's important to, uh, uh, to try to build connections with people. A lot of times uh, folks have come from their hometown and uh, they've got a circle of friends and they've, uh, 
family's been nearby and now they're, you know, they're here at the university for the first time. So those early chances to interact with others on the dorm floor, to do activities, to connect and spend time with others, really critical. Also getting to know where the gym is, getting to know where the activities are and pushing yourself because anxiety and depression, well, one of the things they often lead to is avoidance. Well, you just don't feel like doing that thing or it seems a little anxiety provoking or scary. So pushing aside that tendency to stay home and avoid, especially if you've been struggling with depression and anxiety up to this point, really important, I think, to take this opportunity this fall to try to get engaged in the opportunities that are available to you, to figure out what's happening on campus, to do some activities you've been putting off and to connect with others. Really an important approach to preventing the kind of mental health trouble that uh, you know, often comes into people's lives around this time in their uh, you know, life course. Also, when, you know, when people come, when you think a little bit about ways to help yourself, when people feel anxious and depressed, they sometimes think, th think about things in sort of uh, absolute ways, like my life's altogether terrible, my situation's altogether bad, my future's altogether bad. Something about anxiety and depression, they often do, so they are associated with avoidance, not doing things for insatisfaction, enjoyment, accomplishment, and not connecting with others. And they also tend to be associated with styles of thinking. Rarely are things altogether terrible. Rarely are, is your current uh, circumstance altogether bad. And certainly, uh, when you think about yourself and your worth, it's many times when people get anxious and depressed, they start to think that they're no good in, in one way or another. So trying to catch those thoughts and think more truthfully, like, well, I do have some circumstances now that aren't so good, but there are, there's this and there's that, and there's the other thing that are, that are going pretty well. So trying to think about your current circumstances, your future, as well as your personal characteristics in a more balanced way. It's a really important part of trying to help push away some of that anxiety and depression that can sometimes creep in when you're coming back to school or when you're facing any really substantial life challenge. Having said all this, it is really important to understand that sometimes people need professional help and professional help is absolutely available here at the University of Michigan and obviously out into uh, the community and the nation more broadly. Of course, access to mental health care is sometimes a challenge but there are many alt methods to get professional care, including traditional face-to-face -face therapy, uh, where you can talk to someone and learn techniques such as cognitive behavioral therapy, treatment that focuses on your level of activity and also on your style of thinking. And uh, that can be delivered either uh, in a face-to-face -face manner in an office or in a small group, but also evidence-based treatments like cognitive behavior therapy, interpersonal psychotherapy, dialectical behavior therapy. These are all words that we have to describe particular kinds of treatment that have been shown to be effective for a range of mental health problems. They can also be delivered through the computer, via self-help computer programs, via self-help books, websites. And the University of Michigan has a very uh, helpful mental health resources webpage that uh, lists a whole range of both face-to-face, computer-based, written uh, approaches to finding out these, uh, a range of you know, fundamental tools that you can use to try to uh, step in when mental health problems become too much for you. Also, there are a range of, of medications 
and other physical treatments that can be used for depression and anxiety, which some people really put off too long. Uh, so I think that we have both psychotherapies as well as medication treatments and other medical approaches, which can be used in concert. When your own approaches, like keeping active, thinking more clearly, when your own approaches and connecting with others maybe doesn't seem like it's quite enough. And the symptoms of depression, like feeling down and disinterested, having difficulty sleeping, maybe thinking even about ending your life or symptoms of anxiety, like avoiding because you're afraid or feeling sudden eruptions of anxiety that seem to come for no reason and lead to a substantial amount of worry and hardship in your life. Those kinds of problems can often require both a combination of professional psychotherapy as well as medications. So sometimes people put off treatment and it's understandable, but reaching out and using that, that resources page can be a really helpful start for a lot of students who are coming back to school and have maybe had mental health problems before or are experiencing them now, maybe for the first time in their life. Thank you so much. And we will make sure to link to that website in the show notes, as well as in the article that will be on the public engagement website. So as we are starting to run out of time, I want to ask something that I really enjoy asking all of our experts who join us on Michigan Minds. What is one thing that you really hope everyone listening remembers and takes with them from this conversation and this information that you have shared? I guess the most important thing, the key takeaway message for me is that uh, first, mental health problems like anxiety, depression, and a range of other troubles are common. Many people experience mental health trouble that interferes with their life at some portion, at some time in their, you know, over the course of their experience, that these problems are common, number one. Number two, Often when you're experiencing anxiety and depression, it feels like it will never change, but it almost always does. Sometimes you need some help, but living differently personally, trying to be more active, be more social, think more clearly if you can, and also using professional and uh, lay resources to get, some, to get some help. This help is available and it's effective. Uh, everything from medication to psychotherapy to self-help groups uh, to computer-based approaches. They're all very helpful. It's just finding the right combination for you. So clearly they're common, they're treatable, and it's really critical to reach out when you feel like you're giving up. This has been so incredibly insightful and we so appreciate your time. And before we wrap, I want to ask if there's anything else that you want to share, any other research that you'd like to highlight or just any other messages you'd like to convey. There's a few things that uh, I probably, another thing I would probably add. In addition to these psychotherapy tools, like trying to uh, think more clearly and using approaches like cognitive and behavioral therapy, when it comes to mental health wellness, uh, there are a range of basic approaches which are also really useful, like trying to attend to your sleep. Uh, sleep is very important for well-being and having a regular time when you go to bed, a regular time when you get out of bed, uh, trying to uh, keep yourself uh, kind of in a winding down mode as you approach your sleep, trying to you know, give the appropriate amount of time to feel rested, 
It's a basic approach, but sleep is extremely important in maintaining well-being. Secondly, having a little balance in your life. It's hard, you know, you come to an uh, elite university, you're trying to make good grades, you're trying to build a future. It's very easy in this place or, or in other universities around the country and in many other walks of life to have a life that's out of balance where there's too much devotion to work and school and maybe not enough devotion to fun and friends and activities. Uh, so this uh, balanced day-to-day -day life is, is really an important straightforward approach. Also probably uh, a good way to manufacture anxiety and depression is to drink a lot of alcohol. So it's probably not the best approach to drink regularly to excess. It's, uh, it might feel better in the short run, but it's a quite likely a driver of longer term hardships with anxiety and depression over the course of time. Also uh, trying to eat regularly. Uh, a lot of times people get out of schedule and, uh, and, and that can make a, a, a difference in how you feel. And of course, trying to keep moving and uh, to take up that exercise that you might, or, or sporting activity that both is fun and also likely to help your body feel better. Those straightforward approaches of sleep, a balance between work and fun, uh, trying to keep moving, maybe uh, trying to eat and maybe stay away from alcohol, uh, at least to some degree. Those are the kinds of things that would probably uh, make a, a large difference in keeping away anxiety and depression, at least the, the type that interferes in your day-to-day -day life and also helping if those are the things that have, uh, if, if anxiety and depression have gotten in your way in a significant way. I think, you know, the, the, the key message for me is that uh, the vast majority of people with mental health problems never seek help. They don't seek it often because it feels stigmatizing or they feel like they can't access it. They don't know exactly where to go. There's a team of researchers here as well as around the country and internationally trying to help close this gap between the need and the available resources. But at the core of it, it's also the person who's willing to step forward and uh, willing to try to get some help. And uh, putting a toe in the water, uh, kind of getting started, maybe using this resource page as a way to look at some of the uh, kind of self-treatment is a really, is a place to start, I think, for many. And also, uh, the you know, I've spent uh, decades helping people with mental health problems. And, uh, you know, as mental health counselors, social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists, nurses, and others, uh, those of us who focus in trying to serve people with mental health problems, uh, we probably haven't made ourselves too appealing. Uh, it seems a little strange or a little scary to come. Uh, I think mostly uh, when people show up, it, it goes a lot better than they thought. And uh, when they learn some of these techniques and approaches, they don't seem so uh, unfamiliar to them. And that, uh, you know, getting started in treatment is often really difficult, but this delay is costly. The delay between when anxiety, depression, or another mental health problem begins to interfere with your life and the delay to trying to get some self-help or to get some professional help. And our treatment innovation and dissemination research group is focused on this gap between the need and getting something that's both accessible and appealing. Those of us in mental health uh, interventions need to make ourselves a bit more appealing. So sometimes having a treatment that's a little more fun, uh, that uh, is easy to access is, is, is a real key for folks. And uh, 
uh, that's uh, kind of our central focus in our group. This has been so insightful and we really appreciate your time. I'm so excited to share this with our audience and let everyone hear all of these great resources that you've shared as well. Thank you again for your time. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.